0: this is Gliza for classical adventures for one where i read classical work dramatically and discuss things about that work that i find interesting and want to share with my listeners if that's something that you're into stick around and let's talk about fictional books of the past. Today's chapter reading is the last chapter of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. I can't believe I did it. I cannot believe I've reached the last chapter. I honestly did not realize that I would be able to finish this project and still be excited. I was worried that I would lose interest and drift off to another thing by now, but let me tell you what, I'm still here and I'm still pumped. I had so much fun with this chapter knowing that it was the last of the book. Did I tear up a little bit? Maybe. You'll just have to find out by listening to it. And if you haven't already, the link can be found below. As for today's artwork, it was done by the super talented Ross Cook. He's an artist that I met through the grief burrito community. He is as hilarious as he is talented. I love his interpretation of Alice in the chapter reading, but I really love how he drew the different reiterations of Alice in Wonderland. Especially my favorite Alice, the sci-fi TV miniseries that has Tim Curry in it. If you thought the Tim Burton movies were trippy, this miniseries is way more out there and has the wonderful acting prowess of both Tim Curry, as I mentioned earlier, and Kathy frickin' Bates. Give it a shot. Just don't expect to understand the world. Because as I said, the world is trippy as all heck. Also, that TV show is probably the reason why I have such a big crush on the Mad Hatter as a character and ship him with Alice. Anyway, the art by Ross can be found in the links below, and he was so much fun to work with. If you decide to check him out, tell him it's because of me. What is it about Alice in Wonderland that attracts so many people to it? Alice in Wonderland is everywhere. When we talk about falling down the rabbit hole in TV tropes, or Wikipedia, where we just get lost in clicking from one link to the next, we are referring to Alice in Wonderland. The Cheshire Cat and his immortal words of everyone being mad is mentioned all the time in songs, poems, movies, and books. When I first started this podcast, I did not realize how so much of today's media is inspired either directly or indirectly, by this book written a century and a half ago, but it has become a sort of easter egg hunt for me now whenever I watch anything new. Whenever someone does or says anything that is related to this young girl getting lost in a fantastic and mystical world, I get so excited. I tried to list all the works inspired by Alice's adventures in Wonderland as well as through The Looking Glass, and I was overwhelmed by how much there was. The drawing by Ross does not even touch all of the films and TV shows that were based on Alice in Wonderland, and there are still so many that just take the elements of these stories for their world. Not to mention all of the books, music, and artwork. Literally, a whole podcast where we just go through all of the Alice in Wonderland adaptations is something someone could go through and never run out of material. Did you know that Netflix is going to make an Alice in Wonderland story that is also a musical but more modern? Would I watch it? Before I started this podcast, my answer would probably be a no. But now, I most likely 100% would watch this movie. Did I suddenly get a low-key obsession with all things Wonderland? Yeah, yeah I did. Honestly though, as I asked earlier, what is it about the Alice books that still has this resounding effect that reaches across generation I think Zosha Swidlika is right when they say that it's because the compelling plot and vivid characters leave a lot to the imagination. That is why, despite the seismic societal shifts of the past century and a half, the story continues to generate infinite interpretations, from attitudes to gender roles and mental health to issues of identity. The different readings capture the zeitgeist of key moments. Its relevance shows no signs of waning. Maybe it's because even though John Tenniel drew Alice, there's actually very few detailed descriptions of her in the actual writing of the Alice books. Alice has become the every child. And according to Eleanor Clayton, the Tate Liverpool assistant curator, she states that many visual artists tend to ascribe... characteristics of their era onto Alice and it's difficult to know what the definitive Alice truly is. Speaking of artists there are many fan arts as I would like to call them however I'm sure most scholars wouldn't but the first ever recorded Alice in Wonderland artwork is by George Dunlop Leslie. The painting of a girl in a blue dress and white pinafore listening to a story was shown at the Royal Academy in 1879. The 20th century saw Andrew Breton and Paul Elward add Wonderland in their dictionary of surrealism. There was also this painting of a tree with a human face by Magritte named after Alice while Salvador Dali dedicated to Alice a series of the little girl with long hair and skipping rope. And it doesn't stop there. So many artists have reimagined Alice from John Wesley's untitled Falling Alice in 1963, where a line of girls in blue mini-dresses float above a giant white rabbit. To Yayoi Kusama holding an Alice in Wonderland happening in 1968, where she said Alice was the grandmother of the hippies. When she was low, Alice was the first to take pills to make her high. Alice Jones ends in her article about Alice's legacy. From Teniel to Travis Bickle, you can hardly imagine Harry and Hermione, enjoying such a rich and enduring artistic life. Yes, Charles Ludwig Dodson as Lewis Carroll wrote his books in a certain way, with a certain interpretation, but the world and future generations have taken it and ran with it. Again, Zosia hits it on the head. There's literally no one way to read the books. From the Victorian prevailing attitude of children should be seen and not heard era, to the happy, friendly dream daughter of post-war America era of Walt Disney. 1960s to the 70s focuses on the trippy world of Wonderland, and Alice became the hero of counterculture, free love, and feminism. And the Alice of today? Why, she's no longer just taken from one scene to another without any control over destiny. Alice is a hero of independence, overcoming whatever Wonderland can throw at her. What I love about all of the reinterpretations of Alice is the vast score of mediums. From books, comics, TV shows, films, and games, there's literally an aspect of Alice that can appeal to anyone. Did you know that there are several Batman villains that are based on the characters from the books? Mad Hatter, Twiddle Dum, and Twiddle Dee. And the graphic novel, Arkham Asylum, A Serious House on Serious Earth, is loosely based on Alice in Wonderland. Even Marvel issued a comic book series called Marvel Fairy Tales, which is a basic retelling of Alice in Wonderland with a superhero in stature playing the role of Alice. Not including the numerous reinterpretations of Alice in film, there are many, many films that have taken elements from Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass and used it in their movies. There's Alice in Wonderland, a musical porno. Do not watch it, please. It's terrible. There's also this movie called Marx Reloaded, where Karl Marx is depicted in scenes that parody Alice in Wonderland. Popular TV shows take elements of Alice in their episodes as well. Star Trek had an episode called Shore Leave, which features a recreated white rabbit and Alice brought to life by a computer, which can make thoughts a reality. Lost is heavily influenced by Alice in Wonderland, with many, many references to the Alice world with the third season finale being named after Through the Looking Glass. A current favorite adaptation of mine is Alice in Borderland, where a group of people were suddenly taken away from what they knew to a post-apocalyptic world where they must participate in deadly games. The live-action adaptation was released on Netflix recently. Then there's video games. The famous ones that I've heard is the American McGee's Alice, which is a more twisted, darker sequel of Alice following Through the Looking Glass which in turn had its own sequel called Alice Madness Returns. How can I forget the RPG Kingdom Hearts, which includes Alice as a plot character in the game. With how fantastical and mythical the world of Wonderland is, it's really no surprise that many people want to visit Wonderland themselves, even as just a character in a game. And music. So many lyrics and inspirations taken straight out of Wonderland. The I Am The Walrus song by John Lennon was inspired by The Walrus and the Carpenter. Sunshine by Aerosmith talks about Alice and other characters of the book, with Steven Tyler being shown trying to protect Alice in the woods in the music video of that song. My personal favorite is the collaboration of Panic! at the Disco and Fun, where Brendan sings as Alice and Nate sings as the Mad Hatter. Which isn't really a surprise because I like interpretations where Alice and the Mad Hatter are considered a thing. What's so special about Alice? Critic James Vernier explained it well. The simple, brilliant conceit of a child finding a portal to another world, a world of his or her unbridled, if not entirely unhinged imagination, is so compelling several have lovingly lifted it, including C.S. Lewis, whose the Chronicles of Narnia series begins when a child finds a pathway to a fairy tale universe in a wardrobe stuffed with verse, and Coraline, in which the heroine, voiced by Dakota Fanning, enters an eerie mirror world through a small door in her basement. I ask again, did I suddenly become obsessed with Alice in Wonderland? Yes. Yes, I did because before this, I have never seen how a book such as this could have such an impact hundred and fifty years later. And isn't that the enduring power of classic books? The way it permeates our lives? The way it leaves an impact that will endure for centuries after? I honestly do not know of any book written right now that might survive centuries later. That doesn't mean that they do not exist or won't exist. And I would never know, just like Charles could not have possibly known the crazy impact that Alice's adventures in Wonderland could have had. I hope to one day create something that has that same far-reaching effect. And maybe I will. Maybe I won't. But I am glad that I'm here for the ride that Alice in Wonderland took me. This is the last episode of my exploration of Alice in Wonderland. I am both excited to see where my next journey will take me but also sad that this part is over. Because Wonderland is beautiful, and it is a world I'm going to miss. I will be taking a month or so break to prepare for Season 2, but that doesn't mean you won't be hearing from me. I have a couple of bonus episodes planned in between, so check out Twitter at classicalgliza and my website, ClassicalAdventures4.1 for more information. I want to dedicate this whole season to a good friend of mine that passed away recently. Her name is Pat Francis. She was one of the first friends I made when I first moved to America. My heart hurts that I will never see her again. But I know that at least the pain is over now. I love you and I miss you. And this is for you.